0: All right, Mike. Good morning. How you doing this morning, brother? Fine, yourself? Doing great, doing great. So tell me, what what all has been going on with you? You've been doing some traveling, and you're about to go out again. Uh, so uh, catch me and catch everybody up who's listening on, on what all you've got going
1: on. Well, see, um, we, Kathleen and I just finished uh, spending uh, about seven days up in the, uh, I guess what my brother refers to is Upper State New York, where he where he owned a house, or owns a house, and he closes. I think, on the 20th of this month, he closes, and he's packing up and moving down to Texas, uh, the house that he and my mom lived in uh, prior to her uh, passing, and so uh, we were up there in New York, and doing a, a lot of work for him, you know, ministering to him, he's not saved, and so we were working with him, and uh, try ministering to him and serving him and reflecting the uh, uh image of Christ in our lives, trying to have a positive influence on him. Mm. Uh, it, it was a uh, it was a uh, you know, we got a lot done for him, we helped him a lot. He was thankful. Uh, but as far as uh, I guess any any um, um, movement forward, we we could not see, but I mean, we we did, we, we planted seeds. Uh, so I mean, uh, the, the Lord's going to do, you know, it's according to his will, who he wants to, to save and bring to him. And so we, we planted seeds and, um, and maybe someone else will, you know, the Lord will cultivate with using another, uh, individual or situation in his life. I don't know, but, uh, he, has uh, got a ways to go. And, mm-hmm. but, um uh, it was, it was good. It was good to be up there. It's a beautiful country. I mean, again, you know, for people that say there's no God, I mean, you go up there and you look at just the beauty of the nature up there, how it testifies to the existence of God. It's just beautiful country up there. Not that I'd want to move up there, but it is beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, I'm, you know, really, Mike, what you're doing, I mean, you're, you're being obedient to the Lord. I mean, we. Uh, it's not within our purview to open up a heart, to yeah. take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I mean, that's God's work but what he's commanded us to do is be faithful to to tell the truth about him to give the gospel and um so to that degree uh you know we can count ourselves being faithful if we're obedient to that and i think sometimes it it kind of makes evangelism harder on us uh you know who uh you know especially those of us who are just willing to do it i mean that's that's a big step for many believers is just crossing the line and sharing christ but but to do it and then to, to feel that you're a failure because, you know, you try to do it faithfully and you don't see someone come to know the Lord. And you think that that reflects, uh, upon you where, I mean, it, it is, like you said, it's, it's God's will. And so yeah. we just have to know the truth, be faithful to give the truth and just trust the Lord with it. Because even the truth that you've given him, um, who knows when God in his, uh, sovereign providence will just bring that yeah. to his mind and, and recall that. And, um, uh, and the Lord may at that time, just unite that truth with uh, a believing heart. And, and so we just keep taking those opportunities and, and like, like with your brother, I mean, we, we all have loved ones in our families who who are lost and then we pray for them and we seek to try to give the, uh, the truth to them. So, uh, so brother, that's an encouragement to me that, that you are faithful in doing that. And I just, uh, speaking to him about Christ but also showing the love of Christ to him the way that you served him
1: yeah, yeah and then uh, uh, we're getting ready to take off again uh we're traveling uh, uh, like many for over the summer but we we our oldest daughter and her family moved to Missouri well, I guess about maybe four months ago and so they're settled in a new home and we haven't been out there and we haven't seen them in a while so we're driving to um, gower missouri which is uh about 30 minutes from kansas city i believe and uh, we're going to be spending some time with them and then from there we're uh kathleen's sister is joining us with her husband and we're going to drive up and do some visiting with her older brother in dickinson uh north dakota so we're, we'll be doing a lot of traveling so uh, and then we'll, we'll be back um um, and, and towards the end of the end of the month, we'll be back, uh, back in town and for a much needed rest and fellowship with our, and communion with our, with our, uh, body of, uh, our family here in Gloucester.
0: Okay, good, good. Well, uh, what, um, what, um, well, how, how long is that? How long of a drive is that from your front door to go to Missouri first and then on to South Dakota?
1: Well, see, I, I did the, uh, let me see if it's still saved on my uh, map screen. I did it. I looked at it, and from, I think, from here to Missouri, it was about uh, l- close to 1,100 miles, I think. And, uh, and I'm pulling a trailer, too, because uh, we're, mm. we're taking some stuff to Caitlin um but here we go i can tell you real quick uh it says it's uh, 990 miles away from front door to front door
0: wow that is a long way 990 miles yeah Uh.
1: but it says uh, uh by the current traffic today it's 17 hours and Five minute drive, but you know, with the way I drive, it's probably maybe you know 18 or 19.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If Phil Cortez would be driving it, it'd be eight hours <laughs> and a pile of speed tickets, but we won't yeah. mention that <laughs> anyway. So, uh, well, we'll get into this, but, but I got a, a quick story to tell you. Uh, just um, the Lord just sometimes confirms. Uh, to you through different things what gifts and talents and abilities you have and also what gifts and talents and abilities you don't have and uh, <laughs> the other day it was a uh, Saturday actually day before yesterday uh, I was out in the garage and I got these um, garage door organizer things you know the things you hang on the walls got the the hooks and the clips and everything yeah so so I got these things from Harbor Freight you know real, real cheap stuff but you know, hopefully it'll do the job because, um, April has just been using a corner of my, well, I say my garage, our garage, all this beach (laughs) stuff is there. I mean, like a huge amount, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, rarely did we even go to the beach, but when we did we just had like a bucket and a little shovel and and like, that was it. Well, nowadays you have to I mean, it's everything. I mean, she's got like these bags, Uh, they they look like huge kind of cloth purses. And the, the, the strap is like a a rope, like a, like a, you know, a twisted rope, like a white one. And there's like four or five of them. And I'm thinking like, what, what are we hauling here? And then I remembered, I'm like, oh, well, I remember what we hauled because being at the beach, you know, see, that's the thing about it you know and i know uh i know a lot of it's kind of funny how it breaks out because wives love beach vacations but i think as guys i mean we're like the pack mules right we have to haul all the stuff out to the beach and 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 it's a ton of stuff it's like you know like all these drinks it's like who's getting so thirsty out there i mean yeah you want to have a few but man it's just all this stuff so anyway all right well i'll get off the the beach stuff for now but uh so so I, I go to to put these you know these things up and' so I'm measuring everything and and so there's there's two ways you can do it they've got like a ton of of the wall anchor things you know like when you're just going into the sheetrock yeah. so yeah. they've got a ton of them you can go across so that you know there's a lot of support and everything but they also say on it that you can just use the screws if you just go into a stud well, you know me, I just i want to be simple and quick, so I'm like, well, I'll just measure 16 inches off center and yeah. I'll just go into the studs, right? So, uh, yeah. so I go to start doing that, and uh, and and I get the one screw in on one side, so I've got one side is kind of hanging down, and so I bring it up, put the level on it, trying to do everything just right and all, and then get it leveled, and and I go to um to do the other screw in there. And when I go to do the other screw, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing in. Cause I know I've got to, to, you know, to go into a stud and, and I'm using my, my, my drill driver on it. And so I'm pushing in and it's like, and the thing's not going anywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? Like a, a steel stud or I mean, I mean, I know it's not a steel stud, but I mean, it's like the other one went in is and this one going in. So, so I'm, I'm pushing and pushing and, and the thing just drilling and so i end up ringing the whole thing out so i'm like okay well i can't oh, wow. use that one so i put yeah. another one up there repeat the same thing and i'm like what in the world is going on and i ring the second one out so finally i'm like all right lord i'm i need to take this to prayer <laughs> and so as uh, serious i mean i'm i, I said lord I don't know what's going on here, but I need to try to get this thing up. And, and I'm like, you know, Lord, help me help, help it go into the stud this time. And, and when I go, I, I put the screw up. And when I go to put the driver up against it, I happen to notice, but you know, on drill drivers where you got the little switch where yep. the arrow points in on one side and then out the other somehow I'd hit the switch and the thing was, was for it to, to drive it out. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole time I'm pushing it as hard as I can and the drill, the screw is, uh, the drill is going, uh, but it's not going in a way that it would actually yeah. drive the drill in. So yeah. anyway, so again, that's just another example of, uh, I mean, I, I know anyone with a, um, with a mechanical mind would have caught it real quick. And no doubt, you know, you take some of, you know, you or the guys at church, I mean, um, they have had it, I, the women at church would have had it, you know, April would have caught that before I did. But, uh, but anyway, um, but again, two things I learned from that, the Lord is good. He's merciful and yep. just interesting, you know, right after I, I just prayed and I went to do it, I mean, right there, I just happened to look at that little button and I'm like, I, I've got the, I've got the button pressed in that makes the screw come out. And yeah. so, uh, but then again, you know, the Lord showed me like, yeah, you weren't built for this stuff. <laughs> you don't have a mind. I, I tell Christian, I said, I, I always tell him, I said, you are, you are so blessed. Cause even as young as he is, I can tell, uh, I mean, and, and we kid, the, how we call it in our house is we say the Lord gave you hands, you know, daddy doesn't have hands, but you got yeah. hands, meaning he can use his hand. I mean, I've got hands, but but <laughs> I just can't right. use them for, yep. for that. So anyway, um, so that was, that was very interesting, uh, over the weekend and all. So anyway, story to share. All right. Well, brother, let's get into some systematic theology here. And, uh, before we start, I just wanted to read just a couple of verses from second Timothy chapter three verses 16 and 17. Uh, Paul writes, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so that scripture, that is the basis for the theology that we do. So, uh, brother, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got yes, seven we chapters we want to skim over <laughs> and that's all we're going to be able to do. Uh, so let's do this. Let's just sort of take a, a chapter at a time and just basically sort of hit the thrust of what Beaky is talking about that way, you know, it refreshes it to, to our hearts and our minds. And also for, for those of us, uh, for those who may be listening to us, who have not read Beaky or, or maybe not have, would not have the opportunity to do it. You know, we can kind of at least summarize or give them a little information of what he's sharing with us. And I just think it's so, it's so edifying, so profitable, especially right here, because he hasn't gotten into actually doing the systematic theology. This is all like introductory stuff. Yeah. So the, um, the first chapter we start with, he asks the question, basically, what, who does theology? Where do they do where. theology, and when do they do yeah. theology? So, do you want to kind of kick us uh, off on that, and kind of give us your sure. big thoughts, or maybe your takeaways on that?
1: Sure, uh, I, I like the way he, he started in his introduction. And, you know, he brought up the issue of the, the point of view, and to me, you know, for me, it, it, it helped me realize that hey, where everybody's at a uh, is at a different uh, point in their walk with the Lord or their maturity. And, and 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 so when we look at it we're looking at it from our point of view at a particular point in time with uh, with the with the gifts and the talent and what God has revealed to us at that time in our in our walk with him so when we, when we look at uh, you know theology or we study theology we're seeing it from our point of view and so it was a good reminder of that but it also too as i read this uh, first this chapter 3 it also reminded me you know we have other uh, individuals that are studying theology too. And it's, it, it, to me, it reinforced the thing that it's important to talk with other uh, individuals who are studying theology, other brothers uh, in Christ and to, to discuss uh, from my point of view uh, how the Lord has spoken to me through, through the study of the theology and with them, and in that way, it gives me. Uh, it can reaffirm what I've what I've what I've studied, what's been revealed to me, and it can enlighten me for them. You know, especially uh, uh, individuals who who I you know who I respect, who are my mentors, my my uh, coaches that I would see and would gain no- additional knowledge that uh, would uh, enlighten me and uh, that I could use to to continue to grow and for discernment. Uh, so that, that was, that's the first thing. But so we each have a different uh, point of view from uh, based on our, our, our time, our experiences, so that, but then the, uh, who does theology, you know, I like the way he went into it. You know, we got to remember who we are, you know, we're, we're creatures of God. We're created in the image of God. We're, we're sinful. We're fallen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes through all that. Um, uh, and so, I mean, he starts out with the cre- creatures of God and uh, that, that we we're all creatures of God, and we so we need to do a th- uh, our theology, our study, by acknowledging that God is the ultimate. You know, He's He's uh, sovereign. He uh, he, uh, he we we can never fully understand uh, uh, God. I mean, we he, he he's always existed. He always will be. His knowledge far exceeds ours. So, and for us to be able to understand. And that's another thing It you know, kind of humbled uh, during the reading, you know, he talks about humility, but even just thinking about it, it humbled me Mm -hmm. the vastness of his, uh, his thoughts, his, uh, his understanding, his love. I mean, we got to remember, you know, we are, we are uh, subordinate or subjective to him and not him to us as we get into the study of theology. Uh, so we got to keep it where it's, it's, uh, You know, it's not, uh, I guess, mechanical, but it's it's personal. It's it's for the the edification of of ourselves as well as 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 we share with others and teach and coach to to share with them the the word of God. You know, we got to remember everything is um, when we study and read. It's not what we think, but we need to make sure that we're in line with Scripture as well as during our study, acknowledging God's ultimate. He's he's incomprehensible. We'll never fully understand why uh, things.
0: Yeah. I I, I (laughs) love that first line that he has. You know, you talked about that section that there were creatures of God. And under that, that heading, the first sentence he has, uh, I mean, he, uh, Beaky must be hanging out in, in y'all's community group, the Burrs yeah. community group. Cause he says here, he says, the most basic truth of <laughs> theology is that there is a God and you are not him. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that yeah. is just so true. And then he goes to talking about the, the incomprehensibility of God. And, yeah. and, and really, when you think about that, it, we do have a sense of, but who are we? I mean, if, yeah. if we're going to do theology, theology is a the study of God. How do we think that, that we can study God? And, uh, yeah. and, and then, and he answers that question, you know, there's only really one way we can do it. And that is by us having an analogical knowledge of who yeah. God is. We know him by analogy. We will never know him as he is for us to know him as he is. We would have to be God to comprehend him in that way. Yeah. So it's just simply by, by analogy, that that we know him, he is the original. Uh, he has original knowledge of who he is in yeah. himself, and he, he talked about you know the, the the names for those. There's archetypal and yeah. ectypal, and so he has that archetypal that 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 first knowledge, and, and yeah. uh, ours is a derivative knowledge of who he yes. is. that yes, the ectypal.
1: Yeah. When I was reading that, what you just mentioned on those, those type of knowledge, it, 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 I got I had a flashback to our previous uh, readings and studies, I think even in the disciple group about the, the types and antitypes and shadows. Mm-hmm. I said, man, this is all, <laughs> you know, this is... <laughs> uh, th- you know, I said this, you know, kind of like, like it's some, you know, while you're getting from different authors, you're, you're hearing the, the, the same thing. And I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm looking at this and saying, yeah, this all makes sense. It is. It's from, from, uh, we, we derive this, you know, he is the original, but, uh, mm. so I thought that was pretty, pretty neat seeing how different authors are pretty much saying the same thing, uh, with, the. uh, uh, type original type and then the but a shadow or our picture of the original and so i think right. I, I was i mean to me it was very edifying and very enlightening seeing different authors uh who i'm enjoying reading uh pretty much uh saying the same thing
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. right so so he he
1: talks, but, uh, uh, you, you oh i'm sorry yeah
0: oh well i was just gonna say so so he talks about who does theology and then you you explain that very well it's it's yeah. us it's man we're limited we're fallen we're sinful and then he says he talks about you know where do we do theology in other words what's the context where, where are we situated when we're trying to to do theology and come to a knowledge of god and and i think he goes through some very interesting categories and the first one he names is is we do it among fallen men so we mm-hmm. need to realize that 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 we are fallen and we are among fallen people who do it. So, so we're never going to have the perfect theology, but, yeah. but what I also love is, is he talks about doing theology in the church and, yeah. and, and I'm so glad he brings out that, that major point that, 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 that is really how we're to do it. We're we to do our theology in community with one another it's, it's to be in the church, not to be an isolated sort of lone Island to yourself, but really you know we hammer out our study of god among other believers and in context with them and especially in a church setting where we have covenanted with other members and and we're all we're all progressing we're all trying to to arrive at that knowledge of god and who he is and i think a wonderful demonstration of that is really what takes place every sunday at community groups because you know you think about it when we go there that's what we're trying to do we we have been exposed to to a text of scripture, uh, you've had a, um, a, a preacher who is fallen, uh, but hopefully he's done his best. It's his sacrifice before the Lord of, of laying that sermon as it were on the altar and the people of God have heard it, but, but now, you know, we talk about it. Now we try to nail it down. Now we, we hammer it out and, and there can be new insights shared that that, you know that i didn't get in my week of study you know everyone else every other believer has a holy spirit as well and he is the resident truth teacher uh there can be uh, practical insights that are shared how do we take this truth and apply it to our lives and then you know just our doctrine is hammered out what does this teach us about yeah. god and so i just think that's a perfect example of us doing theology in community. And like Sproul said, he's even got, you know, one of his books is is titled this way. He says, Everybody's a theologian. And that's true. So everyone who who's at church listening to to sermons and singing hymns and going to the small groups, I mean, you yeah, know, we're all theologians. We all nail down certain doctrines that we hold to and believe. But like Sroll says, the question is, are you a good theologian or not? Yep. That's that's the yep. issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in that area too. I mean, I, you mentioned the church. One one of the things that he he said in in the chapter that I that I like was the um, the study of theology apart from deepening oneness with Christ Church is contrary to God's will. I mean, so to me, that just you know reemphasized the importance of 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 the church and being part of a local community uh, a church. Uh, it's for the your edification. It's for that uh, strengthen the oneness, that unity that we have in Christ. And then he went on into the the uh, the unity of spirit that we experience in love with one another. I mean, and that we need to be with the church and in, and in, in the study and sharing of our theology.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So so he goes from there and he goes to the next chapter and he talks about okay, well, okay, this is this is well this is who is doing theology this is a context yeah. we're doing theology uh but now he asks the question well which theology do we do and in this chapter he he lays out three specific kinds and, and really in my mind is okay. as, as he walks us through this in chapter four he's um it's like he's narrowing down the filter so so he he sort of starts broad and he comes down and then comes down even more and the three that he lays out is uh The theology we do is number one, Christian. Number two, it's Catholic. And I'll just say something Mm -hmm. about that in just a second. And number three, it's evangelical. So, so let's just talk about those. But before we do that second one, Catholic, he says, we do Catholic theology. I want to be very, very, you know, clear on that. And especially for everyone who's listening, uh, this is not Roman Catholic theology. This is not saying we do the the same type of theology that's found in the roman catholic church it is small c catholic theology not not capital c as in roman catholic and basically what the word catholic means is it just means universal and so basically what he's saying when he talks about and we'll 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 talk about this more when we get there We'll, we'll take these in order christian catholic evangelical but basically just at the front end When he talks about catholic theology he's talking about the church universal in other words we we do our theology with the rest of the church and that would that would specifically mean all the things that the church holds in common together now we have distinctives that's why we have denominations we have certain things that we would hold to as distinctive doctrinal convictions that other uh christians would not hold to and so therefore They're in their denomination and we're in our denomination, but there is a Catholic small C theology that we hold to. And it is, it is basically, it consists of the essentials of Christian doctrine, uh, the Trinity, uh, Jesus being Lord, Jesus being God, Jesus being the second person of the Trinity, the virgin birth, uh, salvation, uh, by grace, uh, the, Atoning death on the cross, the resurrection from the dead, the ascension—all these things are are things that all Christians uh, agree on. Who are truly Christians, uh, but yet we have our own distinctives uh, when it comes to other issues, such as baptism. Uh, we would believe in believer's baptism. There would be a, a a whole host of denominations who would believe in infant baptism, for example. And so that's that's our distinctives. But yet we would all hold to to Christian. Doctrine as a whole, when you get down to those basics and those essentials. So, so Mike, uh, kind of walk us through some of these and 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 how he breaks them down and explains it. What what is Christian theology that we do? What is Catholic theology that we do? And what is Evangelical theology that we do? And he's he's bringing it down from a very broad area. And getting more narrower and more narrower as he gets down even into evangelical theology and then when we go to the next chapter he's even going to narrow it down even more than that because he'll take evangelical theology and get even more specific than that so so brother do you want to sort of lead us down this path
1: sure uh first starting with christian theology um and, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. The way he introduces the, the Christian theology that that's first and foremost the most important. It's the the building block upon which uh, everything else is built. Uh, it's the uh, the fundamental, uh, uh, most fundamental characteristic of, of our theology mm-hmm. uh, that it, that it must be Christian. It must be Christian. That it, it must and it must uh, it, we must be Christian in our in. Because we are disciples of Christ, so it's got to be Christian. Um, and um, and we build all our teachings upon this. Um, and I like what he said. He said Christian theology is theology done with faith in Christ and submission to Christ and in light of uh, Christ. And it also talks about the, uh, his, his, uh, the, the holy prophets as well as well as the apostles. So it's all got to be in line with that. And you know, again, we're just reviewing my notes this morning. I wanted to, I went back and pulled my notes, and yesterday in your message, you talked about well, um, you talked about the uh, well, no, it was during the men's class. You talked about mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the the primary and secondary uh, sources, and so I was thinking, oh, hey, this is a you know primary source that Van was talking about yesterday, as far as the authority of how where authority is derived from Christ, from the apostles, from the Word, mm-hmm. and so. Uh that, that's been, a, in a nutshell, you know, uh, Christian theology. It's, it's, it's the building block. It's, uh, it's, we're called to be submissive to Christ and everything. We, we must be built upon that because we are his disciples. So therefore, our theology should be cr- uh, Christian or Christ-based uh, with faith in Christ and submission uh, mm-hmm. to Christ in the light of, uh, in light of the uh, Christ. So um, that's, uh, in a nutshell, the Christian theology. Mm-hmm. And then we, and, um, and just one thing that he, that, that, uh, he highlighted here that I, I appreciated is, you know, again, uh, it talks about the universal church. Uh, and uh, he brings in that the, 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 how with the Catholic uh, theology, he, brought, he brings in how we have all these various creeds but the creeds uh, he, uh, you know, he he mentioned in his writings and, and has been uh, what we have discussed and even in our in our church, uh, redeeming grace is the the the, the uh, these creeds uh, they're, um, they're 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 um, uh, they're not in uh, they 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 um, the, they are not. Um, I guess God inspired that that right. was his words, but they, they, they reinforce and highlight truths that are in the Bible that are scripturally based, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that, 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 that he states that reinforce, reinforces beliefs. And, you know, he mentions the, uh, the apostles creed and what it set forth, you know, he, uh, the, the Trinitarian framework of the apostles creed.
0: I mean, yeah. and these and, and, are all
1: things that, that
0: yeah, and Mike, would you mind just reading that for us? That, that way, uh, the people can hear uh, an example of of a creed that would that would, and it's on page uh, eighty five. If you want to see it in the book, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and so this is an example of really Catholic theology here again, small C Catholic, yeah. meaning universal. So so this would be a confession that the universal church would hold to this is every christian yeah. church you know redeeming grace is convictionally a baptist church but before we we're a baptist church we we're a we we're a christian church yeah. and so this is this has been the standard creed that has embodied the 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 i guess you could say the the bare bone doctrines oh, of what yeah. it is to be a christian and if you deny something in this creed in essence you are you are outside of. Of orthodoxy outside of yep. uh, you know the, the the Christian faith, if you were to deny yep. an aspect of this, so so would you mind just reading that
1: that way? would sure. As an example of what that is, sure. Um, and it starts uh, the uh, the not, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, of our Lord. Who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of the Father, or at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy ghost. I believe in the Holy Catholic church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen.
0: Right. And just to give just a little caveat there, the, the section that, that we believe it says, we believe that he descended into hell that has been interpreted uh, historically two ways. Number one, that, that his descent into hell was not actually a physical descent into the actual place, hell, but on the cross. He, he, as it were, descended into hell when he took the judgment of God, the wrath of God upon him. So that's one way that that's looked at in the Apostles' Creed. The other way that it's looked at is uh, to be hell, Sheol, uh, is, is in some of the, the, the versions of the Apostles' Creed. It mentions the word Sheol, and it's just an affirmation that he descended into death, that he truly died and so some would interpret it that way, but, um, but we would not say that, that Jesus descended into the physical place called hell like some charismatics would, for instance, uh, word of faith uh, preachers and teachers. As a matter of fact, Kenneth Copeland says, he goes so far as to say, Jesus descended into hell, and, and this is what he, he says. He says that, that the devil led him around on a leash like a dog in hell i mean that is absolute the sickest you know most debauched type of heresy you could think of now that that that's not what happened when christ was three days in the grave and so so again just just to give a little uh a little explanation to that phrase when we say he descended into hell, what does it mean? Some have taken it to mean that he He suffered the judgment, the wrath of God on our behalf upon the cross. Some take it to mean it's de- his descent into death, that he truly did die and then was raised from the dead.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, continuing on with the, the Catholic, the, uh, one of the other creeds they mentioned was the Nicene Creed, and the and the reason for the Nicene Creed was the I guess the under the increased pressure of continued false teachings, they they the Nicene Creed was written, and it's really kind of expanded on the uh, the Apostles Creed, uh, and then they gave some other definitions of other creeds like uh, the uh, Calcedon Cal- Cal- Chalcedon, the definition mm-hmm. of Chalcedon, gave further definition, clarifications of the church's understanding of the person of Christ, both God and man. Uh, the Asian creed, I guess I said that right, uh, used mm-hmm. by uh, the Orthodox doctrine of the Trinity and the deity of Christ. I mean, um, so I mean, there, there are a lot of creeds that talks about and how they reinforce certain things. Um, and then, but again, it, it's... Um, Um, he just talked about the the creeds just reinforcing scripture and that's, that's how they should be looked at. They're, they're not scripture. They're not, they're not, um, uh, they support scripture, reinforce scripture. They are not, um, um, uh, I guess we need to, we, they, they, they teach truths, but we need to be careful that they're not, they're not scripture. I guess, I guess that's the best way to say it.
0: Right, right. And, and basically what we're doing when we use creeds and confessions, we are saying that as we go to the word of God, we go to the word of God with the historic church. It's not, you know, me and my Bible uh, out in the woods, just almost looking for divine inspiration from God. And here I am absent from 2000 years of church history, 2000 years of believers who have had the indwelling Holy spirit of God within them, teaching them truth, 2000 years of Ephesians for Christ, giving to the church pastors and teachers so that they could edify the body for the work of ministry. It's to humbly say, you know, as we come to scripture, we come to scripture with the church, the historic yeah. church. I don't come to it as an authority on my own. Now, again, at the same time, we're not raising up the creeds and confessions to say that 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 they're you know they can't be changed or modified according to the word of God. The word of God is a final arbiter of truth. But it is to humbly say, well, okay, if two thousand years or so, I mean some later confessions, but 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 if historic confessions have seen the truth of God this way, and if I'm out walking in the woods with my Bible, or I'm out sitting on the back deck and reading my Bible. And I happen to come to truth that contradicts that truth. That's written in a creed or written in a confession. Probably my default mode should be. I'm probably the one who's wrong. And I need to look at this because if I'm disagreeing, With 2,000 years of church history, I'm probably the one not seeing things right. But again, it's not to say that that's the ultimate thing, because creeds and confessions are not the final arbiter of truth. The word of God itself is the final arbiter of truth. But we just have that humility that, that we're going to read God's word in concert with Christians all throughout the ages. So, yes. so he goes from Christian theology. He brings it down. He talks about Catholic theology, how we do our theology with all the church in mind. And now he he's even coming down further into evangelical theology. Evangelical. What does he mean? Mike, when he says evangelical, what does, what does that word mean?
1: Uh, see, well, see, uh, referring to my notes, the image, evangel- it's derived from the Greek word, meaning gospel or good news. Um uh, mm-hmm. And again, he mentioned the term has been subject to, to a lot of uh, debate uh, and amb- amb- ambiguity lately. Uh, but it's uh, it's um, it- evangelical as far as uh, related to the Great Awakening uh, of uh, of a theology that that, that incorporates. Uh, the Bible is the the authoritative uh, spiritual guide. Uh, it talks about Christ's death on the cross as the heart of faith of life, and then the repentance from sin and faith in Christ. And then the Christians must work. Um, we all, as Christians, we all work together to spread the gospel, the good news. Um, um, so he said he proposed. Uh, maybe he was not as an introduction. I'm I may maybe maybe. Uh, uh, watering down too much, but uh, in the, on my earlier comments on the evangelical theology, but uh, he said it needs to be defined in reference to the biblical gospel and, and historically in reference to the teachings of the reform, the reform, reformation churches. And we declare in our confessions and summarized in the five solaces. And that I, I liked how you brought the five solaces in on the importance of, you know, the, the, like, almost like the, the, in my words, the non-negotiable, the uh, mm. on the five uh, solaces, uh, and then again, he he brings in the uh, the the different uh, confessions for the you know that the Lutherans, the Church of England, the Dutch Reformed, uh, it, as far as the relation to the the evangelical uh, uh, theology. Um, and but uh, I, I, you want me to go through the five solaces?
0: Uh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The five solas, uh, yeah, it's basically, uh, you know, what was hammered out in the reformation and it was, it was really, uh, you know, contra to what, um, the Roman Catholics were doing. And so basically, uh, it's, I was having this conversation with someone, I think, I think yesterday at, at church, but, uh, or no, no, it was Friday night. It was a men's fellowship, but, uh, you know, Sproul says that the, the whole of the Reformation was divided between two words. It was sola, which means alone, and then the Latin word et, which means and. And for every place that the Reformers put a sola, you know, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, every place they put a sola, an alone, the Roman Catholic church put an at, it was faith and something else, Christ and something else. It was uh, to the glory of God. And if you are consistent and something else. And so, and so that's what the five solas were. They were, they were in, in contradistinction to uh, to what the Roman Catholic church was saying. And they were basically the, the very basis of, the uh the reformation it was the heart of the reformation and so as he's talking about biblical theology oh we have a, a visitor a christian just walked in the office okay give your cameo say hey okay I have a well i'm i'm doing something right now oh. no okay sorry about that mike but uh yeah, no, not he, he, hey we're live we're high production here right yes <laughs> so um so so as, as he brings it down he talks about evangelical theology and he talks about the gospel really the heart of the gospel as we would see it being reformed it is in the five solas in those yeah. those, those those alones and so you know and then he goes from there and he talks about the different confessions of faith uh, reform confessions that those are seen in. And, and, you know, we think about those, uh, uh, the Presbyterians have, you know, a few that they hold to, I think I named some of those yesterday in Sunday school. Uh, they, many of their churches would hold to what they call the three forms of unity. And that's, yeah. um, that's three different sort of, uh, doctrinal statements. It would be the Belgic Confession. It would be uh, the Westminster Confession, and it would be the Heidelberg Catechism. Those three, for many many uh, Reformed Presbyterian church churches, uh, are the standard of their of their confession and what they believe. Uh, ours would be. Ours is heavily built upon the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, heavily heavily built upon it. Uh, but ours is a 1689 baptist confession many people call it uh, a, a baptized version of the westminster confession but uh but that's what we would hold to and so as Beaky goes down and he's talking about you know well what what theology do we do th- this is how he initially breaks it down you know it's, yeah. it's christian it's catholic small c it's evangelical and when you get when you talk evangelical you're talking about uh, the evangel which that's another name for the gospel and when you're talking about the gospel us being reformed believers, we would see that uh, really borne out in the the five solas of the Reformation, and uh, and then he goes from there. And and Mike, you can start us off in the next chapter. And now he's going to get even more deeply into into reform theology specifically. And so he's uh, again, it, it's like a, a funnel or a filter. He's coming down more narrow and more narrow and more narrow. And then in chapter five. Uh, This is part two of his chapter, Which Theology Do We Do? And now he's going to talk about reform theology specifically, and he's going to talk about different aspects of it. He's going to talk about historical, confessional, theological, and hermeneutical, or how we interpret Scripture, how we go about that so um uh, so why don't we walk through that uh mike uh, you, if you want to go ahead and start us you, you don't necessarily have to take all of them. you can if you want to but uh but we'll just step through this together and so so as, as we get you know more hammered down into this uh what are we looking at looking at reformed theology and i guess you can take what he takes first of all how do we look at reformed theology in, in the historical perspective and, and and as you look at this if you would uh touch on touch on that sort of chart he's got on page 104 because it kind of goes back to what i was talking about before how you have the solas in oh, contradistinction yeah. Yeah. or against you know the roman catholic teachings and he's got a great mm-hmm. little chart he breaks out there yes. but uh, but go ahead and talk about reformed theology and historical perspective
1: okay so i uh, i ran out of time on my notes and outline so i'm gonna I, i've actually got <laughs> using his book as a guide to, sure. I don't miss anything, but, uh, uh the historical, um, uh, on the historical perspective from reform theology, uh, he starts by saying it grew out of the 16th century event, evangelical renewal in Europe, uh, that we refer to as the reformation. Um, and it began again, uh, the reformation began when, uh, by grace alone, you know, Uh, Luther uh, grasped justification by faith alone and began protesting against the uh, sacramental system of man-made rituals and human merit. Uh, And then he, he touches on the, uh, the reformers, how what they objected to. And he highlights the um, unbiblical teachings and practices in the church that were going on. Uh, And he mentions the, the papal abuses. Um, Mm. He mentions the, uh, the, you know, on those, though, the, the papal abuses, uh, just real quickly, are there are abuses in theology and practice, including immoral conduct by church leaders and commercial commercialized religion through a system of penances. Mm-hmm. Then he, had, he he talked about papal pretent yeah, pretentiousness uh, mm-hmm. the claims of the bishops, um, uh, the the. Um, uh, really about that gets to the, uh, the, the bishop, the, the claims of the Bishop of Rome to the apostolic, even messianic authority. Um, so, and then the captivity of the word, the, the word then, uh, uh, was the, the normal individual did not have God's word. They had, they depended upon, uh, the church to, to, to tell them what the Bible was saying and what they should believe. Uh, and so, uh, they, they did not have uh, a copy of God's word. They were they were subject to the interpretation by the authorities, the bishops, etc. They had no no uh, access to God's word. And the then he talks about just the uh, the uh, uh, absurd, uh, uh, med- uh Mediation, uh, you know, ascribed to Mary and the saints, as well uh, as well as the grace of the sacraments versus salvation. Mm. But then, you know, bottom line is he uh, he gets into you know uh, the chart of laying out uh, and it helps crystallize what we see on the uh, with using the five solas uh, described to what the Roman Catholic teachings were, and when we talk about uh, uh, Scripture alone. Uh, the, uh, the Roman Catholic's teaching were scripture and traditions. And uh, that, that brought back some some previous discussions I had with my mom at times when talking about uh, when she asked me where I was getting this, the, uh, what I was basing my, my, I said, you know, God's word, scripture. Mm-hmm. And then she brought in, she asked me, well, what about, all these things we did in is, is in the in the uh, in the Episcopal faith as we went this way, and I said, "Well, those things were nice, but those things weren't, you know, scripture. Some of it was scripture, but it was scripture, and I said it was traditions and customs. Uh, and I said, and so that's the difference: the traditions and custom versus scripture. And I said the traditions and customs are nice, but the emphasis and the importance should be on the on the scripture.
0: Right,
1: um, and, and then the uh, grace alone." Uh, and they had grace and human merit merit that it required a human merit like works. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that was the, the Catholic teaching, you had grace and you had human merits, you had works, you had had to, to accomplish as well. Christ alone, they had Christ and Mary uh, mm-hmm. and the saints <clears throat> faith alone. They had faith plus works in essence. Uh, what, what, uh, faith and works. And we have, we believe in faith, but it's, uh, but with the faith uh, as a result of the faith, we have right. uh, good works that, that, uh, that show our, our genuine faith.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: yep. And then to uh, g- glory to God alone. And they had uh, glory to God and the saints. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> so they, they, um, in this early, <clears throat> excuse me, history, uh, the, the the Reformation they they'd split, uh, the, they'd split the it split the the Reformation split in the in the 1520s it stated into three main branches the Lutheran Church the Reformed Churches and the Anta- uh, Anabaptist uh, right. and then uh, it and then pretty much uh, talked about the influence that Luther had and the the, the different reigns and the different leaders um, and uh, but uh, so that was pretty much. It and it talked about just the the influences uh, from uh, Central Europe and Britain and the United States, and it, and how it, how how the reform theology and reform way. Well, actually, they say reform Christianity, which is a good which he reinforces what he spent, talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Spread during the uh, last uh, two and a half centuries to nations all over the world. So, um, that's uh, pretty much, I think. Uh, uh, what i what i took out of the his section on the historical um uh, perspective of, of the reformed theology
0: yeah but that chart yeah.
1: alone i agree with you van
0: yeah and then, and then he after that he comes into just talking about the uh uh you know reformed theology and theological perspective he talks about the different reformed uh confessions that the different uh reformed bodies and churches would hold to and we we don't have to get into to, to all of them specifically. But one thing I did want to do is, is on page 110, just wanted to read a, a couple of things that he has there. I think these uh, you know really stand out here. He says this, he says, uh, quote, the marrow of reformed theology is the sovereignty of God, not an impersonal fatalism, but the personal sovereignty of the father, the son and the Holy spirit, the knowing wise and loving sovereignty of our tri- triune savior. This is the reason why the Westminster Shorter Catechism couples glorifying God with enjoying him. In doing so, it echoes a catechism composed by Calvin a century earlier, and here he, he, he quotes Calvin at length. He says this, what is the chief end of human life to know God? Why do you say that? Because he created us and placed us in this world to be glorified in us. And it is indeed right that our life, of which He Himself is the beginning, should be devoted to His glory. Nothing worse can happen to a man than to live without God. Yeah. Wow, what a statement!
1: Why? Yeah, why? yes.
0: <laughs> what is the true and right knowledge of God when we know Him in order that we may honor Him? How do we honor Him aright? We we put our reliance entirely on Him by serving Him in obedience to His will by calling entirely on him, by serving him in a, uh, by, excuse me, by calling upon him in all our need, seeking salvation and every good thing in him and acknowledging with heart and mouth that all our good proceeds from him from the theological perspective. Then reformed theology breathes the spirit of divine glory and finds nothing so savory or enjoyable as god himself wow what an amazing truth that is right yes okay and so he goes from there and then he just talks about reformed theology and hermeneutical perspective and and really what he brings out here is one of one of the keys of hermeneutics and again what is hermeneutics hermeneutics is just how we go about interpreting the word of god and one of the main things he brings out that is a staple of Reformed theology is covenant theology. And so, uh, even though uh, between Presbyterians and Reformed Baptists, we would see uh, the, the covenants in, in slightly different ways, but we would both hold that, that really covenant theology is the backbone of the Bible, that we, when we want to see how God deals with man in Scripture, you know, again, very basic, very simplified way of saying it is that God deals with man through covenants, through covenants that he has made with man through time. And, you know, we, we did our, our study in our discipleship group of, of covenant theology. Uh, we, we looked at covenant theology just by itself. Uh, the book we're reading now also goes through covenant theology in relation to baptism, because that is the foundation of baptism. And that's why really Presbyterians and Baptists see baptism differently why do presbyterians yep. hold to infant baptism why do baptists hold to believers baptism it, it's how we view the covenant and and how we view who's in the covenant and so there's a difference there. there's there's a distinction there and so therefore because we have a difference of covenant theology well then we also have a difference with with to whom and and even how we administer baptism and so it all goes back to covenant theology so again Going to reform theology and hermeneutical perspective, Beeky brings out that one of the basic distinctives in how we view scripture in order to interpret scripture is covenant theology.
1: Yep. And one thing I like when he talked about all these the, 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 the covenants, he said all these particular covenants are are only embodiments or manifestations of one eternal covenant, the covenant of grace.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So all right, so going into chapter six, uh, you know, he asks a question: which theology do we do? And then he talks about, uh, and again, he's 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 down at the bottom of the filter, and and we're still at Reformed theology as far as the theology that we do, and and that's where we're going to be because we are Reformed. Uh, but now he talks about within Reformed theology, there are two types of theology that we can do. We we do. What's called polemical theology, and then we also do what is called experiential theology. Those two different perspectives. So, so Mike, do you want to talk about one, or maybe both of those? What? Sure, I'll, I'll start theology. with theology. What um, is experiential?
1: Yeah, the polemic, polemical theology. Uh, it <clears throat> from my reading, and, and then I had, I had to, uh, I went to the, to my trusty handy dictionary to make sure I got a good definition of polemic, polemical. Uh, uh I, I guess that right but it's that is a <clears throat> I guess it, it's more like a, it's um with the false teachings it's the um, the the I guess the the argument or forceful writings that that debate or 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 that uh that that disprove false teachings uh, mm. and there in, in that in that particular aspect he brought in the uh the the uh, the uh, tulip and went through that as far as explaining, you know, uh, we, he, he, first of all, you started, you, we have, a, we have an army, then we have the, uh, the individuals so we have a body. And so it, it's kind of like uh, the polemic is uh, polemical. Po, yeah. Is the, is like the, uh, the, uh, I guess the, the, uh, the, uh, the army and then uh, and then the body is that of the, um, the uh, uh, experimental, the what, what's in the heart, the the soul, the the beliefs, they the, our actions are the essence of of who we are as uh, as Christians. But uh, he went through the, and I like the way he did it. He he brought in the uh, what the uh, uh, when he we talked about it. He he talked about it from the aspect. Of, okay, here's what uh, here's what we believe, but then here's what the Armenians said and what they believed. And he would he you know he went through and he. Um, he laid out one position and then laid out the, uh, the, the reformed position. And so I, I, that, that to me, that, that builds upon what we, what, what he's talked about in previous uh, chapters as well. Uh, he talked about election, you know, Armenians believe in it's, it's conditional. Well, we're saying, uh, you know, the reformed unconditional, um, yeah. and he talks, it talks about the, uh, uh, atonement or redemption, uh. Again, uh, the Armenian, uh, it's all conditional, ours uh, unconditional, the reformed uh, position. The dep- total depravity of man. And this is what I, I found interesting, because I, I learned some, uh, inside they, they believed in a um, a, a uh, pre- preventive, did I say that right? A preventive a pre- grace. provenient grace. A provenient yeah. grace, which uh, in essence, which... Uh, which uh, uh, which in, 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 the, in a nutshell negated and said that uh, that uh, depravity was no longer total. It, it, it gave man kind of like a, um, a freedom. Uh, uh, Where else uh, uh, on the reformed aspect? Uh, uh, no, we're we're, we're spiritually uh, uh, we're dead. We're we're deprived. Uh, only God can can uh, uh, save us. Um, and uh, cause us uh, to, you know, he, God does that. It's not anything that we do. It's all based on God's grace, God saves. And then yeah, the, yeah. Uh,
0: what, what's interesting is that I remember uh, uh, James White one time having a, a debate with someone on, on, reform reformed theology basically. And, 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 specifically these points, and they were talking about total depravity and the, the guy who was on the other side, the, the more of the Arminian or, or Probably better to say the, the semi-Pelagian position, which says that, uh, you know, uh, you, you are depraved in sin, but you have like an island of righteousness where you can do some good. Yeah. And and so, so James White was taking him through all these passages in Scripture that talk about, you know, how we're spiritually dead, we're spiritually dead, we're spiritually dead and then basically the guy said, well, I believe that I believe we're spiritually dead. I just don't think we're as dead as you think we are. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> well, and so now James White is like, oh, well, you say there's degrees of deadness, you know, no, it's either you're dead or you're not.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, then they, he went into the, the disgusting, uh, uh, grace, God's grace, but really it's the sovereign grace. Um, yeah. And, um, and in the Armenian position is like that. Uh, it's uh, uh, grace is uh, is not irresistible. Uh, that uh, uh, and you know with a Reformed uh, 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 position. And again, I want this was all laid out. And again, I I haven't read the document, but the canons of Dort is where this mm-hmm. is all summarized. Which which I'm going to grab and and, and read it in its entirety. That's that's a goal I have set for myself, but. Uh, on the reform uh, position, uh, no sinners resist. We sinners resist mm. God's grace. We we don't embrace it. We we rebel against God. I mean, we. Mm. Uh, uh, and but uh, the Armenians are saying no. God's grace is not irresistible. It's uh, it's uh, man can 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 uh, can can accept it. But we 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 even see in Scripture it's backed up that that sinners we as sinners you know we're fallen. We do resist uh god's grace <laughs> we, yeah. we just do
0: right um, yeah.
1: and then the, the um the uh the perseverance of the saints um uh they um they they believe that one can lose the salvation that that uh mm-hmm. by falling away and then uh, I, the re- reform position uh, was that no where where there's an effective calling and a regeneration and as such, you know, God, God is not, you know, like God is not going to uh, uh, re- release release us once saved, always saved. And uh, it's the, uh, the the essence is um, uh, really as we go through, you know, we have that effectual calling, we have a regeneration, a new birth. Well, as we from that point forward, we're being we're being constantly uh, um, molded, reshaped. We're being uh, 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 developed and to and to reflect more and more and in, in, into our into our essence uh, the, the image of Christ in our lives our walks and all we do again right. to me it, it's a it's we were bridging over you know this spills over into the into the um, the uh, the uh, exper- experiential perspectives mm-hmm. that he, he talks about is as, as far as the the essence of uh, the uh, the heart, what the essence of our heart, what's in our soul, what we mm. live. Uh, uh, so th- th- that that's kind of uh, uh, the um, how what I got out of that first section on the um, on the uh, the uh, polemical uh, uh, position as far as they he introduced as far as the uh, pers- that perspective
0: right right and and with polemics i mean like you said going back to the very beginning before you walk through all those like different subcategories it is it is in, in essence it's, it's contending for the truth it's it's fighting against error and when yes. you look at reform theology these are the common things that that we oftentimes find ourselves contending for uh we contend for sovereign election uh, man just naturally does not like to to, to see them have no part in that. We contend for definite atonement that that when Christ went to the cross and died, he didn't just make all men savable. No, yep. he actually redeemed people upon the cross. But who did he redeem? Was it the whole world? No. Was it everyone? No, that would be yep. universalism. That would mean everyone's going to be saved. That would mean yeah. he, he washed away. Uh, he paid for the sins of everyone. Well, if you have no sins to pay for you have nothing to bar you from heaven. Uh, but he didn't do that. He went to the cross and laid down his life for his sheep. And so, and and again, with all the other, you know, things you mentioned, you know, with, uh, with eternal security, or or we would call it perseverance of the saints and all those things, you know, these are things we contend for. So therefore, uh, this polemical theology is a, it's a legitimate theological task. We need to know the truth so that we can contend for these, but as we're contending for these, uh, we don't need to be nasty. We don't need to do it out of yeah. love. We don't need to do it as if we're trying to win a debate. So that our pridefulness and our flesh wells up so that if we back someone into a corner and they can't get out that we think, okay, well, we've won, you know, and that's a feather in our cap. That's not what polemics is for. Polemics is just basically to contend for the truth that God has revealed. Cause that's what we want to do. Kind of like what we saw in yesterday in Ephesians chapter three at the very end, it's the glory of God. We want, we want to, to see God revealed, to see God manifested in all that he is and all the truth that he is. And, and these truths that we talk about here in polemics, this is who God is. And so uh, we don't want that suppressed. We don't want that covered up. We don't want that denied. We want God to be made to, we want to know God and we want to see him made known. And so that's what we do. So, yep. so with that being polemics, now we move from polemics where it's um, it's uh, it's sort of a, a defense of the faith as it were a contending for the faith, but now we move into experiential, you know, theology, the experiential aspect, what, what is it that we experience and how does that relate to, to theology? Okay. Um,
1: See, so I'll give it a shot. Um... <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Um, okay, but let's see. Uh, so we, um, in, in addition to to uh, to, to knowing uh, and understanding um, uh, as far as Christianity, but it, I guess the it, we it also needs to be felt and enjoyed and practically applied. So mm-hmm. we, we we can defend what we believe, uh, but uh, can, do we do we do we have a heartfelt uh, uh, trust and belief in that? Do we enjoy it? Do we do we apply it to our lives? Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let, and, and let, let, let me, oh, go ahead. Go on, no, go on. Oh, let, let me read this quote. It's it's on page 125. And and Beeky is actually quoting one of the professors there at the uh, the seminary where, where Beeky is president. And uh, his last, uh, his name is Gerald Bilks. And uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure. It's Dutch. Uh, he says this. Uh, bilks proceeds to explain that we should not read the bible merely to grasp its teachings but so that the word of god grasp us and brings us into subjection to god the word searches us as it, as it reveals how spiritual matters should go in our lives and then he has in sees that's biblical idealism how they often go in our lives biblical realism and how they ultimately will go for believers biblical optimism And then he says, God-centered theology aims to mold God-centered souls. Cotton Mather, and I love that name, Cotton Mather. He he was a Puritan that actually came to America with his dad. I love his dad's name, too. His dad's name was Increase. What a name, Increase Mather. (laughs) So you have Increase, you have his son, Cotton. So Cotton Mather said this, quote, the great design and intention of the office of a Christian preacher are to restore the throne and dominion of God and the souls of men and so when we think about our experiential perspective you know this is what we want and this is what you know uh i I mean this is a truth we're coming across over and over again i mean i'm seeing it sunday mornings in the text and i try to try to faithfully put it out when we go into our discipleship groups we're seeing that sunday school we're seeing that and i know the the women are talking about it too as well that, that when we talk about theology, when we talk about doctrine, it's it's not just meant to be a bunch of facts that we know yeah. that we can, that, Hey, I, I can talk all day about the doctrine of election, but if I, but if I live like the devil, well, then what use is that? So, so yeah. all doctrine, all truth of God is supposed yeah. to transform us so that we love him more. We live lives that are dedicated more to him, that are more holy, that that, that we want to obey him. We want to see him glorified in our lives. And so when it comes to experiential, the experiential aspect of theology, that's what it's for, you know, theology means the study of God. Okay. We're studying God. Why do we do that? Well, first and foremost, we want to know more about him. That literally is the definition of the word theology, the study of God, right. but we don't want to stop there. Why do we want to know more about God? Yeah. So the, so that it changes our lives so that it inflames our heart to love him more. And because I love him, I want to do what he wants me to do because I love him. I don't want to do the things he doesn't want me to do. Yeah. And that is the, the end that is the purpose of theology is to glorify him. And so yeah. when he talks about our, the experiential perspective, our, our, our experience, our day-to-day experience, that's what we're talking about.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, you know, as, as Christians, and we we need to we need to be able to to to, to do both on the on the, the the polemical and the and the experiential. And I like what he in his very start in his introduction. He you know he talks about the two perspectives, and he said they're inseparable. Mm. Uh, and he said, and then he kind of gave an analogy. He said, an army without a life is a pile of armor in a valley of dry bones. Mm-hmm. A body without the defense of an immune system will quickly succumb to the, uh, the uh, innovating new forces of the infection and death. So I mean, I thought, so what he's saying is, hey, we got to be able to, to we got to be in, in, in our defense of what we believe and as well as uh, our lives from need to show a heartfelt living of, the, of what, we, what we say we, we believe uh, in our faith. So I I, mean, I enjoyed reading that 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 chapter. I think it was a good um, a good a good a good, um, um, a good explanation. I mean it, right. it, it 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 helped me, you know, I, I learned from reading that chapter. I'm learning from reading everything in here and and especially how it uh, you know when I go back to scripture because he does uh, have scripture references in here how uh, what right. he takes and says is is backed by scripture.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, let's try, we've got three more chapters. Okay. Yeah. So let, let's just, uh, let's just touch on them very, very quickly. uh, And, and just for time's sake, let's, let's try to wrap up in about 10 minutes. So I'll tell you what uh, I'll take the next chapter. You take the chapter after that and then we'll both kind of pile on the the last chapter and just, and, and just a couple of words. So, so in chapter seven, um, which, uh, uh, you know, as we look at here in chapter seven, basically, you know, what he, what he addresses here is, is why do we do theology? And what he does is he gives, he gives a lot of reasons of why people say we shouldn't do theology. And I'll just name just a, a few of them. The first objection would be what he calls empiricism. And that's basically empiricism, uh, empirical evidence is anything you can see, or hear or feel or touch. In other words, if I can't do that, if I can't empirically experience it, well, I don't believe it's true. And so empiricism would say, well, there's no sense in doing theology with something you can't see hear, feel or touch, you know? And so uh, he basically says, well, no, no, we, we, that is not legitimate because it's inconsistent. And I love what he says here. He says the statement that we can know only that, which is proven scientifically itself cannot be proven in a scientific laboratory it is a philosophical assertion so even what empiricism says hey we can't believe anything unless it's proven in a in, in a lab in a scientific you know theory type of environment well you have to ask the person who says that well can you prove what you just said in a lab and they'd have to say no and so he just goes through and he lists different objections but i love how he does it does it because he's very um very kind-hearted toward these things because in every single objection he does give considerations that we need to take away things that that okay well here's a good point they're making and we need to always be careful you know not to do this or not to do that so as he talks about why do we do theology you know he he, he takes the objections and, and and puts them to the side and then and then he states in a positive way well, the main reason we do theology is simply because God has spoken. God has spoken. And I want to just read a, a quick quote here, and then we'll go on to your chapter, Mike, because it, uh, this really nails down the bottom line of why we do theology. He says this on page 138. He says, this is a great reason why we can and must do theology. God has spoken and we have his word. We will consider the doctrine of revelation later. And so he says, we're going to talk about that. But then in the next paragraph, he says, the work of a theologian is to assist the church in hearing and responding to this word. And then at the end of that paragraph, he says, this then is the reason we do theology. God has given us his word and theologians must study it, do what it says, and teach it in God's church so that people glorify him. So why do we do theology? God revealed himself to us. And so therefore we want to learn of him so that we can glorify him for all the different things about him that he's revealed to us. So that that's the crux of it. Why do we do it? Why do we want to study God? Because he of his own accord has revealed who he is to us, not exhaustively, but in what he has revealed to us, we want to know it. We want to study it so that we can love him more and we can have changed lives.
1: Yes. Uh, then uh, chapter eight, he moves into, um, and, uh, and I like the way he, he quotes J.I. Packard. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And he says, if our theology does not quicken, and this is on page um, 145, the start of chapter eight. Uh, if our theology does not quicken the conscience and soften the heart, it actually hardens both. If it does not encourage the commitment of faith, it reinforces the detachment of unbelief. If it fails to promote humility, it is inevitably feeds pride. So he starts out with that. And so uh, to me, then he moves in uh, on the discipline of theology. What does it require me spiritually? So it's laying out, hey, you're studying this, but hey, guess what? Here's how you should approach it. Here's, here's how you should uh, be. You know, you're, first of all, he reminds you, we are a disciple of Christ. And as a mm-hmm. disciple of Christ, what does that mean? Well, I'm I'm a student. I'm a learner, and I need to remember that I, I am will always be a student and a learner of Christ, because that's what I'm, I'm I'm doing. I'm growing in my my in my knowledge and knowing of Christ as I as uh, as I develop my relationship and as I'm transformed more and more into into the glory, glory reflecting His image, um, and that uh, we, that I that I'm and again you know it gets with the, you know we need to make, remember. Be humble, but have humility, where we're not puffed up. And we need to remember that there there is a mediator, uh,
0: uh, Mm.
1: and that's that's Christ. He is our mediator, uh, with uh, our mediator, our 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 priest, our prophet, our king. And we we need to remember that as we go through uh, the study of theology. Um, uh, Again, again, as far as we uh, he well, I'll go on the next one. And then we need to uh, seek to continually um, uh, have our life, ourselves illuminated uh, Mm. by prayer. And that's, you know, I've talked to this to you about a number of times, you know, how throughout the the books that you have have highlighted for us reading in the disciple group discussions and even what we're reading. I mean, it's just the, the authors are always saying it's important to bathe everything in prayer. and Mm. and, And so well, we, we, and the theologian, especially, I mean, it needs to pray that God would, would, uh, uh, give him wisdom, open up uh, so that his word speaks and that the, the theologian can see that the truth that's contained within the scripture. So he can clearly articulate that in terms that the, the, uh, his flock can understand. Um, and we got to understand that we're, we we do have, um, um, uh, we we as individuals have biases and that, again, it's important, you know, for me from previous readings, it's important that we, we read other uh, maybe commentaries to to see if it reinforces what we have pulled from our study of theology uh, and talk to other individuals to to see if what we're saying is different. And if it's different, uh, what, what are the grounds of our difference? Uh, And again, seeking prayer, seeking the, 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 uh, the assistance of the Holy Spirit, seeking, um, uh, other, uh, other, um, uh, commentators that have written on the subject. Uh, to me, that ties into this, you know, seeking, uh, you know, continually, uh, being illuminated by prayer and, and seeing what others have written who have also been illuminated and, and guided by mm-hmm. prayer, uh, for study of the word and mm-hmm. then study the word. I mean, to, to, um, to be able to do that, we need to be studying the word, but in a, in a manner that's reverent. Uh, that uh, right. I mean, this is God's holy word. That you know, you're, we're studying in the Bible. It's His holy word. We need to respect it, and we shouldn't approach it um, uh, with with um, with, with a careless thought. It, it should be a sincere um, a time where we we we. It's not like we we just skim through it, but we we're, we read it with respect and reverence to the to the to the author of, of, of this word, to the truth that it contains and to the importance of it in our lives.
0: Right. Um, and you know, Mike, let, let, let me just say this. That 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 can always be a danger. And I would say especially for uh for for pastors or for elders, you know, for for those who would, you know, traffic in the word the most, because uh, you know, it never needs to get routine. We never need to lose the wonder of this is God's word. This is God's revelation, you know, to us that we have here. And I remember just, just, I'll just say this very briefly. I remember back, there was a time when I was in seminary and um, my, my spiritual life, my devotional life before the Lord was, was just as dry as dust. I mean, uh, there was no desire. Uh, I was reading my Bible every day. I was reading huge parts of it every day but it was all for class. It was all for school. It was all for something I had to learn in order to, to be ready for a certain class or a quiz or a test or an exam or something like that. And it was never for just, just a a straight up love for the Lord. I love him and and I want to know him more. And I want the truth of knowing him more, the truth that I learned to change my life. You know, that, that was off the table for that season in my life. And I want to tell you, that was a hard, hard season. I I saw, uh, I saw sin, you know, here and there's really starting to gain a foothold in my life because I was not reading the word to, to feed on it. I was just reading it to, to learn things, to make a good grade on a test. And what was amazing is, uh, you know, I was still making A's and and let me just say this. I I don't make A's because I'm smart. I'm not but when you work security and you're forced to work eight hours a day and you're working in a place where you have nothing to do, but study (laughs) that, that's, that's why I was pulling in the good grades. It's just, it's just repetition, just, just studying and everything. But, but the point is, I mean, you, you can make A's on things where you have to, you have to, you know, put forth the truth, on exams and tests and things like that. And you can know the truth that way, but yet there's a greater sense in which you do not know the truth because it's not getting into your heart and your life. And I'll yeah. tell you, brother, I had a season of that. I experienced it. And, and I would pray that the Lord would be gracious to me where I would never go through something like that again, because, uh, everything is just road. Everything is just mechanical that there's no, there's no life, you know, to it. And again, and, and you make yourself really weak when it comes to sin. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. so again, just going back to, to what you say here, we need to view it as the word of God and never lose sight of right. that. Never yeah. lose the passion for that. Yeah.
1: In that particular section, what I, I, I highlighted in Star, uh, um it, he has humility as the only problem the low, theologian, a key factor in cultivating, and this is all page 150, a key factor in cultivating that God is always present with us in our theological studies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that brought back to memory, you know, that w- God wants us to approach us in prayer. God is with us all the time. He sees everything. He hears everything, knows everything. So if we remember that, it, going to him in prayer, you, you know, that should facilitate us going to him in prayer and, uh, and, and developing our prayer life. And then he says, even as we study or while we study God's God's uh, word, God's eyes are upon us, subjecting the inner man to his trial and judgment. And that's that's out of Psalm seven, nine. Um, and then he moves into as far as uh, uh, the chapter. We um, we need to remember the individual, the theologian needs to remember uh, that, um, that 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 uh, we need to uh, submit submit ourselves our mind uh, uh to god's authoritative word this is god's authoritative word you know we are not he's not the subject and we and, and we above the subject we are right. his subject and we need to remember that that uh that we we are not uh, subjecting god to our uh, he says that in his text we're not subjecting god to our finite and fallen minds rather we must subject ourselves to god's word hmm. And then, and as a result of this, we are going to suffer. We're going to endure suffering forms from various individuals. Um, but again, and then he, he closes by talking about uh, well, not, not closes, but another one is we need to develop a, an appetite for the study of God's word. Uh, we need to um, we need to uh, have a, a life that's obedient. That, to the to the life of love that that's containing God's word, and we need to be a faithful member of the church because, as you mentioned earlier, um, uh, theology takes place in the church, and we need to we the theologian needs to be a faithful member of the church as well right. as as being a, the, a theologian. Right, um, and that's pre- that was pretty much uh, chapter eight.
0: Right, so right. I, I
1: like it. I like
0: yeah. So going into chapter nine and and we'll just really bottom line it here. Now he's talking about, uh, uh, academic methods. He's talking about how we actually go about hammering out our theology, writing our theology. And it's a very practical chapter. I thought, uh, yeah, he has a section talks about gather a treasury of truth. And he Mm -hmm. talks about, you know, first and foremost, we need to read the Bible systematically, study particular books of the Bible, familiarize yourself with the creeds and confessions uh keep your own he says commonplace books that's just uh the old way of saying you know books where you're writing down insights or illustrations or or just things that stand out to you uh be aware of your context and interact with as you said at the very beginning with other thoughtful christians uh on these and so again he's he's heading down to okay now that We know why we're doing theology, we know who we are as we do theology. We come now to actually doing the theology and how Mm -hmm. do we do it? How do we research a particular doctrine? How, how do we write this? How do we write it in detail for people who may be in the academy uh, professors, things like that to where we can really, really get technical and really, really get into detail. But yet at the same time, how do we take that same theology, the same truth and we put it into a form where, where, the, the layman who who hasn't been to seminary, who doesn't have uh, an advanced degree in theology, that they can understand the truth of God's word, that they can understand the, the truth of doctrine, because really, I mean, that's who doctrine is for. Doctrine is for the church. And so I love what Joel says. He says, yes, do your do your theology so that those in the academy and those who are professors can profit. But he says, take that same research, the same study you've done and put it into a form where the people of God can profit from it. Uh, people, the people of God at all different stages, all different places in their Christian life and even all different ages. And so I thought that was very, very valuable, but I'll toss it to you, Mike and give you the last word on that chapter. And then we will close because we are two minutes from being an hour and a half of this wow. mega <laughs> edition. <clears throat>
1: Let's see. Um, I guess the um, the the whole thing I could add to that, you know, what you mentioned. Uh, again, it goes back to other faithful men, uh, uh, writers of, of studies of theology. Is just we need to also uh, the theologian needs to be uh, open uh, to criticism and see criticism as God's gift or God's uh, help in developing his uh his knowledge his relationship uh with 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 christ and understanding of the truth of god's word
0: Mm -hmm. amen amen all right brother well i'll tell you what if you would would you uh close us in prayer and just thank god for for all these things that we have learned i think this is so important and i i love it that that he has talked about all these things before he's actually started doing theology, before sure. he's actually started going into the the different heads and the different sections and was, well, as theologians call it, the different loci, the different departments of, of theology. And he really talks about, you know, who we are as theologians and who we need to be and why we need to do theology. Well, that's my alarm there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, it was very helpful to me and and I'm thankful to the Lord for uh, for joel Beaky's work in this and uh so brother closes out oh and l- let me just say this we're missing our brother marvin he is yes. uh, on his way back from tennessee uh today i don't know if they're on the road yet or not but uh lord willing our our next uh podcast or video cast or whatever we want to call it uh, lord willing he'll be with us and so i'm sure uh we will see um a lot more coffee drank on the, yes. the little show here and <laughs> uh and and everything else marvin brings to it so uh so brother go ahead and close us out and then we'll sign off
1: sure heavenly father um first and foremost this thank you for this time that uh van and i have uh, had uh, this morning lord to just to discuss uh, uh, the uh beaky's uh, book on reformed uh, systematic theology lord the chapters that we covered lord it's just uh, it's so important uh to remember that uh, is that we, we, you know, uh, pastors and elders are not the only ones that are theologians, but that we all should strive to be a theologian, a a, 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 a student or a disciple of your word to study it, Lord. Uh, and as we've seen in our, in our studies and our, our, discussion this morning, Lord, it is important for us to, to, to know your truths, to know the truths, to be able to defend them, yet defend them in a way that's, that's loving, Lord, and not, a not, um, uh, rude or abrasive, Lord, but that that we, how that we defend the faith confidently and in love, and that the essence of what we believe is seen in our lives, Lord. May may, may we always remember as we study and we gain more knowledge of, of uh, Your Word, Lord, and and grow in our, our understanding of, of theology, Lord, that we do not become puffed up, that we remain mm-hmm. humble, Lord, because that uh, the the uh, the lack of humility is a great. Uh, uh, evil to, uh, to, towards uh, our, our effectiveness as in the study of theology, Lord. May we remember our humility. Rem- remember that we that you are this. You are sovereign, and that we we are the subject and not you, Lord. And that uh, you, your word is uh, uh, our. We are under your word, Lord, and we should uh, remember that, and we should strive to approach everything we do in, in reverence and. and uh, a respectful fear in the study of your word, uh, that we take it seriously, Lord, and that we take it serious in a manner that we 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 have uh, habits which renew our hearts and minds uh, in your word and in our lives, Lord. That 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 help us uh, uh, and, and and that help us and that feed our the spirit that indwells us, Lord, and, and helps us to to read and gain an appreciation and knowledge of your word. Which we can, uh, from from that, from our perspective at the time, we can glean truths that you revealed to us. Lord, thank you again for this time. Thank you for, for uh, the the willingness, to time out of schedule to do this. Lord, we 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 thank you for uh, Marvin and Lord. We just pray that uh, his travel home is, is safe and and that we look forward to him in our next session joining us. For it's in your name, I pray, Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. All right, brother. Well, thank you, brother. I really enjoyed our time together and Lord willing, we will be doing another one of these the Monday after next Monday, and it should be shorter because we'll be, we were a little behind today. And so we had to cover a lot of ground, but Lord willing, hopefully it'll be just three chapters next time. And so I'm looking forward to it because we're going to start getting into the doctrine of revelation. And so that'll, that'll be really, really good. So, so brother, we will see you then. Okay. Okay. All right. Lord bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Yes.